0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Shifted Radio. I'm Mike. Today we have a really cool guest. His name is Jordan Owens. Jordan currently plays in the DEL, which is the German top league, for the Fishtown Penguins. Jordan has spent time in numerous European leagues and he has also over 330 AHL games played. He also played in 192 OHL games for the Mississauga Ice Dogs. Jordan began his professional career in 2006-2007, when he played two AHL games for the Hartford Wolfpack after his last season in Mississauga. Jordan is also doing some cool stuff on YouTube, as I'm sure we'll get into later in the episode. So welcome, Jordan. Hey, Jordan, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing, Mike?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are things? Things are pretty good. Uh, just enjoying
1: life here in, in Germany. We're about to start the playoffs uh on Wednesday, so just preparing, man, getting ready.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. What uh what place did you guys finish so that people can uh can follow along here?
1: Uh we finished in ninth, uh came right down to the, the last game. There was two or three or four of us battling for the, the top six position and uh that would have given us a bye past the pre pl the pre playoff round. Mm-hmm. Um so it didn't work out. We lost to Berlin, they're second in the league. So it's all good. We have a little uh pre-playoff match coming up. It's a best two of three series. And uh yeah, we'll see what happens, man. I think we have a a good chance of winning.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So let's uh get the people caught up with uh with you and well first of all, where where are you at in Germany exactly?
1: Um I play for a team called the Fishtown Penguins. Uh we're in the, the DEL, which is the top league in Germany. And uh, the the city itself is called Bremerhaven. Uh, we're located right on the North Sea, which is the northwest corner of Germany, right at the top, about two hours west of Hamburg. So it's, it's not a town that many people are familiar with, but uh, yeah,
0: we're here and uh, we're <laughs> doing all right. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, it's all the way up at the top of Germany pretty much, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the the weather isn't great. Us being right on the ocean, it's it's quite rainy here. A little bit mm-hmm. of a downfall, but
0: yeah, it's a, it's a good
1: organization and uh, you know, it's, it's a lower budget team in the DEL um, you know, so th- there's a lot that comes with that, a lot of challenges, but you know, overall it's a good place to play. You know, you get, get lots of
0: ice time and uh, it's a good opportunity, you know, to to basically try out for other teams in the DEL. For sure. For sure. And I mean, you've had a pretty good season and you've had a pretty good few seasons for them and you've been a really good, uh, reliable player for them for the past few years, um, but let's go back a little bit more. Uh, we kind of gave the people like a very quick Coles uh, notes version of your bio, but let's, uh, let's take it back. Let's let them know uh, who you are, where you come from, and uh, why hockey?
1: Sure, yeah. Well, I, I grew up in Niagara Falls, uh, and that's where I played the majority of my, my youth hockey, I guess. Well, all my, my youth hockey was there. Uh, but we'll fast forward to, to junior hockey, and uh, I was drafted by the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds to the OHL, and I didn't end up going to the Sioux. I had kind of an unusual route to the OHL. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually just telling this story today to one of my teammates. Uh, the night before I was supposed to report to camp for the Sioux Greyhounds, I had my bags packed and everything ready to go, ready to start my junior career. and I just had, a, you know, a bad feeling about it. And I wasn't really into it. I don't know what what it was exactly, whether it was fear, whether it was just like, you know, a higher power telling me that this just wasn't the right move for me. And I decided not to go. And um, it it was kind of a a shock to my family and friends. But, um, you know, I I stuck with it and I decided that I was going to go to the NCAA and do the whole college thing. And, uh, you know, I was getting ready to write my SATs. Uh, I think that was the, the test he took at the, the time. I think they might have changed it now, or maybe it's still the same.
0: I think it's still an um, SAT, yeah?
1: Yeah. Uh, my rights got traded to Mississauga, and I decided to go to training camp in Mississauga. You know, that only being an hour away from Niagara Falls, it seemed like a good thing. And, uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a great camp, and they offered me a job on the team, and, and that was the start of my career in, in the OHL for the Mississauga Ice Dogs. And... Um, yeah, I spent three years there, and they were progressively better each season. I had a great o- overage season. And um, after that, I signed with the Hartford Wolfpack, And I think that's uh, kind of where we crossed paths, uh, us as teammates. But I played a few years there. Um, fast forward a little bit more, I was traded uh, right at the deadline. I think you know the trade deadline for the NHL is, is mm-hmm. right around now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. And uh, My rights were traded to the Detroit Red Wings. Where I spent a, another year and a half, and then I ended up returning back to Hartford. Yeah, and then that's when we played together. Yeah, sheet. yeah, yeah. So it's been quite the journey, but uh, you know, <laughs> it's been a fun one.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you've played quite a long time. I mean, we played like my first year was in two thousand six oh seven too, and you were that would have been your overage year. But then you would have played in Hartford that year. So, I mean, you've you've been around for quite a long time too, and we played against each other. Uh, you know both my years in junior uh, were played against you and we were big rivals because I mean our ranks were separated by five minutes probably total in car so uh, so that was that was pretty fun so like we've gotten to know each other uh, quite a bit over the years and we played together in Connecticut which was awesome we had a, a really great team actually I mean we we lost Zuccarello there to in the in the playoffs which would have been nice to have but uh, you know that run we made was was pretty good and we gave us uh, some stiff competition to probably one of the best teams in ahl history really but yeah uh, sure. that was that was a pretty fun year i mean that was uh that was a great year we you know like it, it was good that uh we connected there and we had some interesting characters on the team too that's for sure
1: yeah we did i think uh sean avery had a, a stint on our team that season yeah and, uh, yeah, as everyone knows, he's quite the interesting fellow. And I ended up reading his book, uh, that he just came out with, uh, I think at the end of the end of January, I think it might've been released or m- maybe before that, but I ended up reading it on my Kindle on the bus this year. And, uh, you know, he did tell a few tales from being in Hartford that season, which were, <laughs> were kind of funny. Like, I feel like I could go on all day. He, he left out all the good stuff, you know, the stuff that we'd
0: remember. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> it, it was
1: interesting to hear his perspective of, of his time in Hartford. It was quite
0: interesting. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I only crossed paths with him for, I think it was like probably two or three weeks or so. And, um, you know, by that time, he was getting ready to really hang him up. And uh, he was always nice to me. So, I mean, it was it was fine. But, uh, you know, like, it's always tough for guys when they're making that much money to be, you know, be sent down to the AHL. I mean, it's a, it's a humbling experience for those guys, right? And, you know, luckily yeah. for him, he was you know, doing something else that was kind of, you know, he was, he was interested in something else uh, a little bit more and, and doing some other stuff, which is good. I mean, he's, he's doing well now. So, I mean, that's, that's good <laughs> for him. Wrote a book. That's kind of cool. Yeah. He's,
1: he's a he's a player that I've always been fascinated with myself, just for the fact that he's kind of an unconventional hockey player, mm-hmm. so to speak. I, th- I thought it was really cool what he was doing, uh, like in the fashion industry and just the, his summer and summer internship with Vogue magazine. Mm-hmm. So, thing that a normal I guess everyday hockey player would do which which makes him you know r- r- special to me you know I admire that um and it was interesting just hearing where he was in his life and and the way um I think it, wh- when he was in Hartford he acted out in some ways did some funny things and and maybe came across as a bad teammate but you know kind of hearing his side of the story you know I, I end up feeling for the guy now and uh you know I wish him all the best
0: yeah for sure I mean. Y- it's always tough. Like whenever you interact with anybody, it's uh, it's always, you know, you can never really judge a person, you know, until you work, walk a thousand miles in his shoes, but, or her shoes. But, uh, you know, like everyone's got their own thing going on. That's a, it's a big, big thing right now. You know, we all have that, we all have that, I guess it's the, you know, that thing looming over our shoulder where we talk about like transitioning into life after hockey. And, you know, th- at that point, know he must have had something you know going on and you know it's something that we all have to come to terms with right like we can't play forever so you know it's it's interesting to see how guys deal with it and and you know for him he was he was doing some things outside of hockey that was kind of preparing himself for what was going to happen after and you know he he just happened to be making a lot of money and you know he he earned that money by doing well in the national league for quite some time, but
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah, for sure, it's something we definitely all all have to face sooner or later, something that's been on my mind quite a bit um as of late, actually, i just kind of thinking what, what I'm going to do after hockey and uh yeah it, it can be uncomfortable, but at the same time, I'm excited for it, you know, I, I have these conversations all the time with with my teammates and just ask them like you know, if money was no object, you know, and you didn't have to worry, like, what would you be doing, you know, with your time? And uh, it's interesting to hear what some of the guys say. And, you know, you can hear the answer. Well, you know, maybe I'll go just lay out on a beach and, you know, and have a few drinks. But like, how long can you do that? You know, how long yeah. can you do that until it gets boring, like three or four days? You know, people need to, to do something with their time, you know, something that they they enjoy. And, for me, you know, my goal for, for Life After Hockey is to, to just do something that I enjoy doing, something that I love to do, something that I'm as passionate about as I am with hockey, you know? So, so that's the goal. Any fear from Life After Hockey it comes from being stuck doing a job that I don't want to do. So <laughs> I guess right now, yeah. it's all preparing the best I can so that you know, I don't get put into that
0: situation. For sure. And, you know, it's definitely been a big you know hot button issue um for a lot of people but you know it's definitely i have conversations about that all the time and especially with this whole thing we got going on and you know starting with this like it's just it's something we need to be talking about more and and that uh guys have typically been underprepared for the transition period Um, you know, a a great percentage of them. Some of them are doing their part and they are preparing themselves. But a lot of them, you know, it just it's hard because when you're an athlete, you just, you know, you go to the rink and you're like, oh, I'm going to be the best player on the ice today. Like, that's your mentality, right? Like, and then all of a sudden you're just not anymore. But you've you've been thinking that the whole time. Because, you know, you just have to, right? As an athlete, you just have to think, like, I'm the best player on the ice. I have to be the best player on the ice for myself. Not because, you know, you're some cocky, brash guy, but it's just the mentality and the mindset that you need to have that will allow you to keep playing for a number of years. Because if you don't, then if you're thinking, like, okay, this guy is better than me, you know, I I hope that, you know, because once you start saying, like, I hope I can do this, then, you know, really, it's finished.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's one of those things you learn. It was one of the earliest lessons as a professional is that this game, it, it, it's mental. It's almost all mental. And you, you hear that. You hear the old cliches, you know, it's it's 80%, you know, mental and 20% physical or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it is true. You know, when you get to the, the level of professional, everyone in the locker room is a great player. They're all good, you know. Especially those first few days in the American League, you look around the room like, holy crap, like, where am I right now? And yeah, some good players. The mental side is what separates, you know, one player from the next. You know, being sharp, being able to be at your best every day, you know, being able to bring those A, those A plus games, every game it has to be an A plus. In your bad games, they have to be an A minus or a B plus. You know, you can't have D and E games
0: yeah so. definitely not consistently <laughs> yeah exactly it, it's
1: just super important and you know um... i think
0: i think that's just one of the things that you, know, you can go through the list of all hockey players right and we i don't know if you noticed this too but when we're in it we kind of are just assessing ourselves based on like the other guys around us and mm-hmm. it's you know it's just kind of the the way it works right but it, you know you can really see how good hockey players are on mass you know if you were to go and you know, put a puck and some sticks in the middle of a, you know, a park and, and see who's the best. And, you know, just regular, you know, just in the regular park and, you know, see what kind of talent it is that goes for all athletes. And, you know, if we enter, you know, some other profession, then we're going to feel that way too. And we're going to be thinking like, Oh, these other guys are really good at what they do. And we have to work hard to catch them. Right. But when we're in it, we're kind of like assessing ourselves amongst ourselves and, I noticed that the best players that I've ever played against, they just consistently play at like a 7.5 or 8 out of 10. And then they'll have like 10 out of 10 games for sure, but then they have, you know, their bad games are like a 6 or something. Mm-hmm. And they don't have, you know, two sixes in a row or they have like a 6 and then a 7 and then a 8, right? And they mm-hmm. they consistently stay at that level. And whenever they have like something like an adversity block, right. They can get over it quickly. And, you know, what are some of the times, some of the challenges that you've experienced in your career and, you know, what were some of the things that helped you get over those hurdles?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, you're, you're right. It is about consistency and you have to figure out a way to be consistent. Um, You know, from a lot of different things that I've read that are, that are not even related to hockey, you know, just reading about other successful people or whether it's self-help books or, you know, things of that nature, there is patterns. And I think one of the the main patterns is, is routine, you know, whether, whether it's the morning routine or game day routine, like, you know, what they say, hockey players are, are slaves of routine. And I think, you know, to be successful and consistent, you have to develop some type of routine, whatever that is, whatever works for you and, Mm -hmm. and stick to that, you know, right, right from when you wake up, you know, until, you know, that, that, that puck drops. Um, kind of doing the same things over and over again. And uh, I think that's one of the keys that that has helped me in my career. I know sticking to a routine, I've done, you know, the same warm-up or very close to the same game day warm-up, you know, before going out for the actual on-ice warm-up every game. You know, it's just – it's one of those things. I'm not, you know, super militant about it. You know, at this point in my career, I can have a a little bit of a different pregame. Like, I think there's a difference between – yeah it's not superstition it, right? right yeah it's not yeah, superstition there's, it's there's, there's just a
0: difference for sure and, and you know uh, the routine is something that you do because you want to get in the right mindset it's all about getting yourself into that mindset to go out and attack and play your best and you feel good right like a superstition is something where you feel like if you, if you don't do it something bad is going to happen and a lot of people mistake routine for superstition and you know like your routine you just said it you you hit the nail on the head like you don't have to be rigid about it like you don't have to have the same thing to eat every day you know you can change up your warm-up routine if if you don't do the same amount of high knee jogs. like you're it's not going to change you know how your game performance goes but what you are doing is by creating that routine you're creating a frame of mind to approaching the game and when you enter that frame of mind it's like it's like you're putting on your, your battle armor, right? Like you're getting mm-hmm. ready and that's just something that you need to put on. It's like an accessory. It's like your shield. When you go mm-hmm. into battle, it's something that can help you, you know, like it's something that's how I feel about it. Yeah, no,
1: I I, I think you're right. That's, that's a nice way to put it. It's uh, it's time to go to work, you know, when, when you get to the rank and you, you start going through your routine, it's, it's time to work. And the difference really between, you know, a, a professional and an amateur is a, a professional can do it even when he doesn't want to. So there's going to be those games, you know, mid season, you know, when you're not really feeling it, maybe you're a little tired, you know, you're lacking energy or, you know, something's happening in in your personal life. It, you know, a true professional can just flip the switch and know when it's time to work and, and they know what they got to do when they get out there on the ice.
0: Right. And, you know, you talk about playing a lot of games. <laughs> I mean, there's a, just a lot of games in the schedule now and in every league really I mean it used to be that you know some leagues in Europe they would you know they could, you could coast through the year at 36 games now everywhere is playing you know 50 games or more right and yeah and back home it's it's crazy I mean there's 80 games in a season and that's that's a lot of games right like yeah. you're 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 playing fairly often each week three times a week and people don't realize that when you're doing that it's a it's a huge emotional toll like people i think they they see the physical toll and and yes it's definitely physical it's definitely you know mental it takes a lot out of us but emotionally there's so much that goes into preparing for a game that like the emotions of the highs and the lows and did i do well and what is the coach thinking and all these external factors that have control of and then the ones that we do have control of like hey our attitude and like how we're feeling and this and that all of it gets tied into how we're feeling right and then it can affect us you know if we're if we haven't had a good game we're gonna feel that until the next game right and the beauty of hockey is that we can go back out there and you know you get another chance pretty quickly but the the bad part is you're doing it often so like it's very just taxing on the emotional level.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right it is. It is a lot of games and, and to be honest I'm I'm watching you know the NHL highlights. We have the Apple TV set up in our locker room and and we often talk about how many games they play and it's like man, how how do these guys do it? <laughs> I'm honestly I'm like turning 32 this year and I'm like holy crap, how do they play? 80 games, 82 games at that pace, man. These guys are are phenomenal athletes. You know, look look at a guy like Yogur. You know, over 40 years old, probably closer to. How old is Yogur now? Closer to. I 50 think he's 40,
0: 40, mid 40s. I think he's mid 40s.
1: Man, that's one of the most impressive things I've, I've
0: ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like I played with Chris Chelios, and he was 49 years old, man. <laughs> yeah. Like th- this, like those. Those are special people. Like they, they are on a different level. Like to be honest, he he was playing in his i don't know 29th season 30th season when i played against him like that's that's literally insane i'm not even halfway through his career at this point like he wouldn't have been halfway through his career if he was my age like that is absolutely insane mm-hmm. to me. <laughs> you know like that's yeah, crazy I,
1: it's it's a lot of games and it, it is it's very physical um but at the same time it you know, back to the mental thing. It is a lot of it is mental. You know, we, we are capable of doing a lot more than, than we think we are. Mm-hmm. And we do have to find as hockey players it is balance, you know, and it's, it's another thing that I learned just along the journey is, you know, too much hockey is, is not good. Sometimes, you know, you just have to, you know, on your day off, you know, go somewhere with the family or with your girlfriend or wife and just not think of, not think of hockey, you know, go to a movie and just don't, when it comes into your mind, just totally change the channel you know, and then when you you get back to the next day, it's kind of like a reset button. Um, You know, you have to find that balance. I I found like earlier in my career, you know, when I was in junior, I used to watch a lot of hockey. When I wasn't at the rink, you know, I'd watch NHL games all night. And uh, when I became a pro, you know, hockey was just on my mind so much. I I stopped watching the NHL. I just needed to give my mind that, that break, you know, away from it just to think about other things. And, I found that that helped. It did help kind of taking that, uh, like a little bit of separation
0: from the game at times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it gets to be a lot. And, you know, I'm you know, i the same way. Like I, I grew up like just a passionate, passionate hockey fan. Like, like just a diehard hockey fan. Like Toronto Maple Leafs were the thing back then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like when you're in the pro ranks and you start, you're watching the NHL, the dynamic changes, right? Because you're like, I could be playing there. You know, if I do something well tomorrow or, you know, this week, like it might be my chance to get up there. So it's different when you're watching the game, you have a different perspective, you know? So it's a lot more stressful to watch the games because you're, you're just kind of watching them thinking like, okay, when's my chance? When am I going to get a chance? Right. So like it just becomes a lot more stressful to watch the hockey, but at the same time, You're still, you're still a fan and you still want to do all that stuff. But like you said, it's really important mentally to kind of get away from it, especially on your days off, because you want to go out and build your own personal life too, because it's truly important to go out and, you know, have those interactions with people, you know, on a, you know, on a normal basis, you know, go to the grocery store, say hello to the people in your community, all that kind of stuff. Right. And then you want to have that separation so that when you do get back to the rink, you're like hungry to go back at it again, instead of kind of being already mentally tired going into the week.
1: Yeah. 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 You're, you're totally right. It's uh, you know, I, there is times that's part of the best, uh, best part about being in Europe in my eyes is the breaks. I love getting those breaks. Um, you know, the November break for the national team and it's just like three or four days where you can go travel to another place in Europe and, and see a part of the world that, you know, you might not have ever seen in your life if it wasn't for, for hockey.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, that's really Let's cool. talk about that. Actually. Like you guys just had a, a really, really long break here. Cause I mean, Germany was off doing so well at the Olympics, but what, mm-hmm. talk to me about that break. Like, what was that like? Because that was, that was a really, really long extended break for you guys. And like, how did you, first of all, like what, what did you do to kind of keep busy? And, and secondly, how did you kind of get back into preparing to play games?
1: Okay. Yeah, well, it, it was a super strange here because, you know, with, with not having the NHL players there, there's players being picked out of the DEL and not just the German guys, you know, that the German team was mainly comprised of the players playing it and the league that I'm in now. But, you know, even, you know, the Team USA, Team Canada, like these are these are my peers. You know, these are guys mm-hmm. that that are you know right beside me you know could it could it easily have been you or me you know it's just like wow this this was the year if only we were five years younger something like that you yeah those, those yeah. games <laughs> in your head like how cool would that have been that would have been fun but, but that's another story um but we did have a few days i think we had 12 days off during the season like mid-season 12 days off when you're healthy like that yeah that's, that's heard of for a hockey player um So this year, uh, my wife, Jessica, and I, we decided to do London for four days. Then we went to Morocco for the remainder of the trip. Um, Yeah, and it was was kind of strange having to work out uh, on the break. You know, I had to find a gym (laughs) in London and in Morocco and, you know, keep my cardio up and keep my strength up and kind of, you know, have one eye on hockey and, you know, have that in the back of my head, but also enjoy, you know, being in these weird and exotic places on this planet. So it was it was kind of a mental battle this break. Was, <laughs> I don't think I, I unwound totally like you would uh, on a trip just after the season, but it was a welcomed uh, a welcome vacation, I guess
0: you could say. For sure, and you know that's that's kind of like pretty interesting. And you know, you touch on you know the vacations after the year. It's super important to go and get away from everything after the year. People won't understand, but you know, like after the season, we go and we you know go and do something that is almost like a celebration of the year so that we can you know mentally declutter and then get back into like our fitness mode once we're done all that kind of stuff but it's a great way to kind of recharge the batteries on a physical spiritual emotional kind of level and to mm-hmm. reconnect with you know people you know especially like your wife and you know like yep. just just to get just to get back into uh, like some sort of like centered place with your with yourself and those kind of relationships. So
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. I I enjoy these breaks. You know, at this point in my life and in my career, you know, I realize that like hockey is not it's not who I am. You know, it's it's no longer my identity. Like, you know, I'm a guy that plays hockey now because I love to play and it's my job. But I, you know, there's so much more to the world than just hockey. You know, and that that may seem to you know surprising to some of the fans listening, but um. You know, I, I think sometimes some of the fans, they lose track of, of us. They, you know, they, they lose the fact that we are humans at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to travel the world, it, it is special. You know, hockey has opened so many doors for all of us. And, you know, you know, I never played in the NHL. I played six years in the American League and just never got the call. You know, my phone was on the whole time. I never got that call, <laughs> you know, sadly. But, you know, I could dwell on that or I can look at it as like, wow, I'm living in, in Europe. This is my sixth year living on the other side of the world, you know, and I've traveled to, I think, 28 countries now. And, and it's all because <laughs> of hockey, you know, hockey is paid for, to get to every single one of them. And, uh, you know, we, we have summers off and basically getting paid to stay in shape and play a game. So Yeah, it's crazy. You know, with like, that you... perspective, perspective, it's, it's just it takes on a, a whole new, you know, world.
0: Yeah. Like it's a different, it's a different animal when you start to think of it like that. Like that's a great perspective you just offered. I mean, when you were a kid growing up, did you ever imagine that it would be like this? Cause I gotta be honest, my, my whole life as a kid, like I like 100% believed I was going to be a full-time NHL player. Like there was just no other way around it. Like I was going to be a hockey player and I was going to grow up and play in the NHL and You know, all this stuff is going to go to the Hall of Fame and this and that. But, you know, when you get there, then it's like, okay, the battle is, like, just starting now, right? You get to pro and you're like, okay, now what do I got to do, right? So then you try to make your way. And, you know, for me, I was very fortunate, obviously, to play 22 games. But, you know, I obviously only played 22 games and uh, I would have loved to have played more. But, and, and like, I... I, I can honestly tell you, I, I literally worked as hard as I possibly could for basically my entire life to to play 22 games, right? And some other people, you know, are fortunate, but what what I have gained in that whole, the whole thing of like my whole hockey career is the perspective and being able to come to Europe, really my eyes on that kind of stuff. Like, what, like, did you ever think that you'd be able to do all this as as a kid?
1: No, you know, I, I had one, I had my eye on, on only one prize, you know, and it was the same as yours, you know, whether I was at the rink, you know, with, with my team practicing, or if I was you know, on the street with my rollerblades on, you know, on the stick in the net and, and just shooting on the imaginary goalie, you know, that entire time, you know, I was the same as you, it was, I was going to be in the NHL, I was going to be a professional hockey player, and, and that was it, you know, so. Ah, To fast forward through it all and to look back, you know, I worked as hard as you, you know, like I, I I did everything in my power to make it and it didn't work, you know, and it, it, it was the biggest failure of my life but i i've gained like this huge huge perspective on but it but was it though like I,
0: I i don't like i don't think it can, you can say as a failure like I, I really think that your career has been a tremendous success well, like if you really yeah, look yeah. at it like honestly yes
1: 100 percent. that's the way i look at it now you know and i'm so thankful that that's the way it is but to to not achieve a goal that you dedicate your life to you know it it was tough yeah. that you know it's like wow like i i didn't make it like or I'm not making it like what then, you know? And that's, I think what kind of opened my eyes to, to have the, the realization that I'm not Jordan Owens, a hockey player. I play hockey, but that's not who I am. You know, that's not, it's no longer my identity. And it's the most liberating feeling ever, you know, that to know that you have so much to offer the world and that this game, you know, has, has taught me so many lessons, so many things that I'll carry with me uh, for the rest of my life into my, my next career. It's helped me in my relationships, you know. It's it's opened so many doors, and, and like we just, you know, talked about, you know, I, I'm able to see the world, you know. I go back home uh, and talk to my friends, and you know, these guys are working really, really hard, you know, in the, in their lives, and they they're just not able to get away, you know. Everything costs money, and it's hard to be an adult, you know. And, and yeah, and adulting's
0: hard. You know,
1: we're we paid to live in other places in the world, and that's that's the, the greatest blessing there is.
0: Yeah, like being able to travel out to Europe and it's different like when you're traveling to places because you you kind of get to to see it and like experience it a little bit, but when you get to live in Europe, it's completely different. You get to experience like why they don't like when you have a full shopping cart at the grocery store, you know, like why <laughs> they why they don't like that kind of stuff, right? Cuz they yeah. have grocery stores that are everywhere and they just go on a daily basis. Right. And that, that totally changed my whole perspective on it. And now, whether I'm here or back home, I'm going to the grocery store way more often and buying way less stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're completely right. And that's a perfect example of something that you wouldn't know unless you lived here. You know, that's not something you, that you read. And, in, in uh, you know, one of those travel books that you buy online, like it's just, hmm. it's one of those things you have to live through. And uh, it is really cool. That's just one of many things that you, that you learn over here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Where's been your? That's a cool. Like, where's been your favorite place to play? Like, favorite country? Like, I know you've played in Germany, you played in Italy, you played in Denmark, and you played in the U.S. and Canada. So, like, I mean, yeah. I guess we'll let you leave those ones out. But,
1: well, believe it or not, like my favorite place to play in Europe so far has been Italy. I think that was my favorite favorite time for a number of reasons like in the hockey community that's that's not the most serious league you know And like Italy's maybe one of the last countries that you think of that has hockey and for whatever reason I had the time of my life there um <laughs> I was in this small little Italian town in, in northern Italy and uh it was quite a unique experience we were more like Austria so everyone spoke German in this town mm. and uh I had this awesome apartment it was uh it's like a brand new renovated place on top of a barn. I lived out on a farm. So I let my dog out and she just, you know, have, have full range of the farm. Um, you know, I set my computer up on the desk and look out these huge glass windows that I had to the mountains. And man, it was, it was amazing. And then, you know, the, the level of play wasn't the highest level I ever played. So a player like me who doesn't score a lot of goals was scoring a lot of goals. So hmm. any hockey player knows there's no better feeling in the world than to score a goal. And when you're doing it often, I mean, What's better than that?
0: Yeah. So, like, this is a great way. This is a great conversation because it's just a great way to kind of tie it all into, like, I guess, mental health. But, like, it's just a hot-button topic right now. But, like, do do you find, because you did so well, like, you had 28 goals in 40 games, right? And you had 60 points in those 40 games. Now, do you think that it's a special place because of where it was? Or do you think it's a special place because you did well and, you know, you remember it fondly?
1: Mm-hmm. It it was definitely a combination of both. You know, it it, it feels good to do well. You know, that's, for sure. that's why we played as kids because, you know, for whatever reason uh, we were good players on our hockey team and, and people tend to enjoy things more when they're doing well, you know, so it was a, a year I did extremely well. And in every game, you know, when you're scoring a goal or two, it's, it's a lot of fun, you know, no matter what the level, whether it's the NHL, AHL, whether it's, you know, Italy, whether it's beer league. I mean, when you score a goal as a hockey player, it's the best feeling in the world. Yes. (laughs) So, and it never gets old. So I think it was a combination of the location, you know, being up in the the Italian Alps there. And I went skiing for the first time in my life on Christmas Eve. The guys took me out. It was just, uh, you know, all around
0: incredible experience. That's amazing. You know, that's, It's so true that like it's always a combination of the the things. And I think people get really focused on it's because of this or it's because of that. And I I think we we tend to forget that it's always everything. Like everything is always of importance. You can't just say that one experience is less important than another. I mean, sure, one experience might be less important in the micro, but... Mm -hmm you know, like in in the macro, like it's all important because you're experiencing everything and whether it's something good, something bad or something indifferent, you're learning from it and it's, it's like shaping you, right? Like Mm -hmm. those emotional, not scars, but emotional, like, I don't know what you would call them wounds or, or like times of pure joy, they, they resonate within you and, and they can lead you to doing other things and it's the choice that we make, whether we're going to go at the, the rest of our lives thinking, you know, that thing that happened was something that I can't get over, or that thing that happened is really going to catapult me into doing something great. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I noticed when I just look through and, and getting to know you, right. And it, mm-hmm. it just feels like that year was a big kind of turning point in your hockey career because you started to do well. You started to identify as more than just a hockey player. And then you started to have more fun, you know, mm-hmm. and it just looks like, and, you know, is that something that you would say is accurate?
1: Yeah, it is. It is. You know, it was th- actually the year that we played together in, uh, in Hartford. That was uh, a turning point in my life. You know, I, I came off of a season in Grand Rapids. Um, and it's kind of funny because the anniversary is today where I broke my arm, uh, my humerus, right in two pieces, oh on a play, and and that was a a watershed moment in my career. There was 20 games left in the season, and it was a contract year, and i break my arm, you know, and it's it's questionable whether I was ever going to play again because it was just a complete um, fracture of the arm, two separate pieces, and Detroit didn't renew my contract. They didn't know if I was going to play, and then I was, you know, I, I had 20 points in like 60 games or something like that, so it was like, kind of okay AHL season, like definitely needed to be a lot better, you know, if you want to play in the NHL, but um, no one would touch me, you know, that's why I ended up going back to Hartford. I had great uh, relationships with the, the manager there, especially uh, Jim Schoenfeld. Mm-hmm. He, took me, uh, he took me on as a tryout. Um, I remember sitting, you know, calling the agents, you know, every day it's, it, it felt like, you know, what's going on, what's going on? And, and there was nothing, you know, right up until September when all the guys at the gym, started disappearing off to their own NHL camps. And, you know, I'm on the couch playing Xbox. And it's like, holy crap. Like, is this it for me? Is it all over? Um, I ended up going to Hartford on a tryout. Uh, Dale Weiss gets sent down from the Rangers and picked up on waivers by the Canucks. Chad Kolarik, he was just on Team USA. Uh, He blew out his knee in New York. And he was done for the season. So a roster spot magically opened up for me. And I spent the rest of the year there. And that put things in perspective for me. You know, it was an extremely, extremely stressful time in my career. And, uh, you know, I, I was just, I was a wreck, you know, just bad energy. You know, like, you know, I didn't know much back then, you know. I was mm-hmm. just being, being pushed around by my emotions and, and my thoughts. And uh, hey. it, I learned a lot about myself, to say the least. And, and it's been amazing ever since then. And, yeah, like you said, all these experiences, they compound and they make us who we are you know, if you're paying attention,
0: that is right. And, you know, I got to be honest that I was going through very similar things, like in terms of like the the turning points and all that stuff at that time too. And, you know, like I, I remember, I remember that season, you know, quite vividly because I had been traded twice that year. And the first time I got traded was, you know, from that team we ended up playing in the playoffs from Norfolk and they ended up going on to win the Calder cup and, but before that, like, that was one of the my favorite times in hockey because a lot of my really, really good friends were on that team, right? Like, Andrew's on that team. And, you know, like, there was just a lot of good guys I had on that team. And then I went to – I got traded, like, out of nowhere. And I, I did not see it coming. And I got traded to Florida, and which was San Antonio, the was the farm team. And, you know, like, I went there with – with just a bad, not bad attitude, I was just there and I was just always thinking like, oh, you know, kind of why did I get traded? And I couldn't let go of it. And it was just really weighing me down, honestly. And I didn't do uh, as well as I wanted to in San Antonio. And, you know, quite honestly, it was of my own doing because I didn't give it a chance right from the beginning. Right. And Mm -hmm. so things weren't going my way. And then, all of a sudden, I ended up getting traded to you guys. Get you know, traded to the Rangers at the at the deadline, and um, you know I came there and right away I was already in a better frame of mind because I didn't want to be in San Antonio anymore. So when I got traded, I was kind of excited. I'm like, okay, you know, I saw that uh, Devo was there, Andre Devo, and I you know mm-hmm. I was buddies with him, and I had played w- against you for a number of years. So I was like, okay, at least I know some guys there and ended up getting traded there. We did we did really well. Like that team is actually one of the best teams I played on because there were so many good players. And luckily for us, you were there because, you know, you, you made a tremendous impact on the team. And there's so much more to the game than just stats. There, there's mm-hmm. so many different things that people don't understand. When I look at all the stats community right now, they're so focused on just the – the black and white, and like the, and it's true. Like when you're talking about stats and we're talking about game planning, like you need to have it in black and white. But when you're talking about athlete development and like we as athletes, we make the stats. You know, like it's we're we're shooting the shots, we're scoring the goals, right? So the human element is so so important, and I think that that's what gets lost in translation there. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I think, you know, on that kind of a team, there's so many different things that. Uh, a lot of guys are bringing and you know what what i would say about my career is in, in the american hockey league because that was my the year after it was my last year in the american league but you know there, there's so many things that i learned in the american league that you know it's not just about goals and assists it's about uh, putting yourself in position to do the best you can on a nightly basis
1: yes definitely it's a it is a tricky level to play at, you know. Like stats, stats are one of those controversial things in, in hockey. Yeah, they're, you know, you know, you kind of either love them or you hate them. You love them mm-hmm. when you're doing it well, and, and hate stats when you're doing bad. I feel like, yeah, you know, and, and it, you know, for a player like me, like I was always a third, fourth line guy in the American League, so I never had like, you know, stellar statistics. But, you know, like like you were kind of inferring to, there there are tangibles, you know, things that you have to you, you kinda of have to carve out a role on a team. You know, if you're not gonna be scoring goals and getting assists, there you have to do other things, you know, to, to prove your value to a team. So I you know, right away coming out of junior I I, I started just being like a, a ferocious four checker and finishing every hit and kinda of sticking up for teammates and, and mixing it up. And I think that's kind of what kept me in the league. And well I know for a fact that's what kept me in the league. It was never points. It was it was always the other thing. And um You know, those are the types of things that, uh, you know, I I like to to tell the young kids, you know, it's it's not always about points. And uh, there's other ways to make a living, you know, playing hockey than just being
0: Alexander Ovechkin on the power play. Absolutely, because not everyone can be Alex Ovechkin. Like, honestly, we can't all be Ovechkin. We can't all be Crosby. That's reserved for once-in-a-generation players, you know. Like, Mm. I think we have to attempt to be those players when we're younger and get to as good as we possibly can. Right. And then at some point, usually, honestly, I got to say around, you know, 17 to 18, you got to start to understand who you are and what you bring to the table. Because once you start to understand that you can go all in, all in on those kind of roles and you could make a lot of money playing hockey and, you know, you don't have to, I play with I played for Savannah Flave and he's coaching in Hamilton right now and you know he he was a tremendous hockey player right and he 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 made a, a living by making a great first pass and contributing a lot of you know defensive plays and being steady you know he would always tell me he's like Vern I, I I made my mark you know going high off the glass and out and then you know boxing people out uh, from a front of the net. And then chipping in with a good pass here or there, right? Like you can, mm-hmm. you can make your living. And now like, he's a, you know, just one example. I mean, he, he was a heck of a hockey player. And when he coached me, he should have probably still been playing, but uh, you know, like y- you can make it doing so many other things than scoring goals, scoring goals is just going to, it's going to help your team win. And mm-hmm. people get lost in that. Like the goal of the, the game, like the point of the game is to win. So, when you score, the team is scoring, right? Like, that's the point of it all.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, and, you know, just talking about the American League and, and
1: trying to carve out a, a spot there, it's, you know, I was having a conversation today with a few guys in the locker room and we were just talking about our experiences and, and how weird of a level the American League is because, like yeah. you said, it is a team game, but at the same time, you, you know, you're so close that you can smell it. You know, you could taste mm-hmm. the NHL. You're that close. you one phone call away so in a sense you know you're competing against your teammates as well as the other team and sometimes you know you can get caught up in you know how the guy next to you is doing you know whether he's doing well or you know or not you know you get caught up in that and it's important you know just to worry and and compete with yourself you know set goals for yourself and, and just stick to those and it doesn't matter what other guys are doing it matters what you're doing you know and and that's one of the lessons that I learned later in my career, I wish, you know, that I would have had these lessons at the start. I think they would have helped me because it took a while to figure all this out,
0: you know, for sure. Right. It's, you, you hit it the nail right on the head. Like the the American league is totally different animal because you're just, you, like you said, you're right there. And with, you know, one phone call, you could be going up to the NHL and you could be realizing your dream. And some guys get that call and they stay up there for the rest of their careers. And, you know, when you make the most of your opportunity, which is great, but some guys don't get that call. And then, you know, but what about after that? Like, I, I think when I look at your, your career, when I look at my career, I think that the, you know, the, the NHL was, was something that has allowed us to play for 11, 12 years, right? Like mm-hmm. because we had it in our mind, we were going to get there. We're still playing now because we made ourselves that good and we found what our roles were and we did the best we could with those roles. And we were actually pretty good at it.
1: Yeah. 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 You're right. For sure. It's, it's kind of funny looking back, like
0: I played my entire twenties
1: as a professional hockey player. You know, I I couldn't be more (laughs) thankful for that. And it's so cool. You know, it's the coolest job in the world. And, you know, I remember coming out of junior and getting ready for that first pro season and being in the gym training and and all I wanted was to, to just be able to call myself a professional hockey player. Yeah. I wanted that so bad and, and that's that just that little thing is, you know, what me to to put in the work and put in the time and just battle and grind. And you know, eleven years later, you know, here we are, you know <laughs> playing hockey still. We're playing it we're playing the game still.
0: Yeah, and like you said, it doesn't matter what team, what level, what league when you're playing hockey, you're having fun. Right. And if you're not having fun, that's usually the sign that, Hey, it's not for, it's not for you anymore. Right. Like mm-hmm. m- most guys will get to that point and say, okay, you know, how am I doing financially? But you know, it's just one of those things where if you're, if you have the mindset of the, you know, like you're going to work really hard and you're going to go as long as you can, usually you're going to be having fun because it's something that you like to do. So that's kind of uh you know just a little bit about the attitude that I've had throughout throughout my career, yeah, um yeah, no, so so that's that's kind of that's all interesting, like your perspectives on the whole thing' it's really, really great, and you know the people that are listening or that are gonna listen to it I think there's so much value that they're gonna get out of this conversation, which is pretty cool, so mm-hmm. why don't we chat a bit about a little bit about what you have? been starting to do and dabble in Dablin. you know I, I noticed you have a, a strong presence uh, uh in social media and you're kind of doing uh some youtube stuff so what what uh, what's that all about
1: yeah well um i started making youtube videos um it's just that you know i've always i've always been into filmmaking um in high school i took kind of an english media filmmaking course and we made a short film that ended up getting played in the IMAX theater for a film festival in Niagara Falls. And that, this was this is going back years, you know, back to high school. But it's always been something that I was like, if I wasn't playing hockey, that's what I'd be doing. So uh, three years ago now, um, you know, I started watching YouTube and, you know, people were making vlogs and travel videos and stuff. And, that, you know, I figured, hey, why not? So I bought a camera and I made a couple videos and they turned out to be, you know, not bad. You know, they have come a long way since then. But um people you know enjoyed them, my friends and family, so I you know I stuck with it, I kept making them and you know now I just kind of it's kind of a creative outlet for me, um, mm-hmm. but it's turning in, into something bigger. Uh, you know I started working last or two years ago now with the, with the hockey company um, Mountain High hockey for a brief time. I was doing their camp videos, we did like a daily vlog of training their summer camps sorry mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's kind of funny it started generating the, myself outside of hockey you know and and now um it's kind of where i'm leaning to head towards after you know i hang up the skates is getting into filmmaking and and hopefully pursuing that as a a career after hockey which i'm i'm really excited about
0: that's super super interesting and what you talk about you started in high school have you been just kind of interested in it throughout your whole uh career or did you just get back into it recently or were you kind of like humming and hawing with it for you know your days in the american league
1: yeah i was just kind of you know it was always in the back of my mind but uh, you know you know what? I, don't, I don't really know what what made me just purchase that camera and started making videos
0: and started there's a casey Neistat video wasn't it
1: <laughs> yeah Casey that I, to be honest he is yeah one of my one of my inspirations for sure but it's it's one of those things uh like I said earlier I want to make sure I'm doing something that I love to do after hockey and uh you know making videos is is a passion of mine I've made you know not only travel vlogs I made a documentary about my journey to veganism that I spent you know months making and you know it's it's not a masterpiece by any means but you know when I pressed upload on YouTube at that moment I thought it was you know which is kind of funny and it, it's cool Well to- it
0: is and I watched it it's pretty it's pretty good it's really good actually like the way like just from a content perspective and like the editing, it was really really good. Well done, and you got a lot of views on it. I mean, I think you had over thirteen hundred views, which is, I mean, it's pretty good. Uh, I I have like two views on a YouTube video. I think. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know, it's it's just funny as as a like a creative as a filmmaker, you you progress really quickly. Like the more you do, the the better you get. You know, the quicker you know you get better. So looking back at my first video, it's almost cringeworthy for me to watch, you know, but <laughs> you know, each video, it gets a little bit better. So, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, where it goes after hockey. I, you know, I just hope I can make a, you know, a living off of it. I know like the arts are, are super hard to monetize. So I'm just kind of like, now it's like, okay, you know, I love to make videos. I love to make films. Like where can I take this? You know, how can I support myself after, I play hockey so it's kind of just uh you know tinkering around right now it's a hobby but it's turning it's turning into something more serious as time goes by
0: well you know the more i'm learning and more i've been diving into this business business thing and uh really getting deep into you know the branding aspect and all that stuff i learn more and more that you know what exactly what you're talking about like the video and the daily blogging and all that stuff is really becoming quite trendy and popular and there's a lot of guys making a lot of money a lot of girls you know making a lot of money they're doing that kind of stuff but you know it takes them a little bit of time to get to get up and running because or to get noticed because right like you're competing against so many people
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know like it's just there's just unlimited amount of people that can do it right and
1: yeah uh yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it kind of comes back to to what we were talking about before with passion. And, you know, I have, you know, for for, for video making, filmmaking, whatever you want to call it, you know, like I, I have the same feeling now for, for filmmaking as I did, you know, two, three decades ago when I picked up a hockey stick for the first time. Like I have that excitement. Like I, w- I want to be like the best ever. You know, I want to be an amazing filmmaker. I want to make one of the best movies that anyone's ever seen. Like these are, you know, outlandish dreams you know but they're just like they're inside you and you're just so excited to you know to create and just put it out there and and help uh you know make make people feel something you know that's a goal that i have every time that i make a video i I want people to resonate with it i want them to watch it without looking at their phone once you know because they're so engaged like that's that's a goal every of mine every time i put something out and um you know the way my life has been going things i that i've been getting into you know i I want to, I want to help the world, you know, I I want to do good in the world. And I think that, you know, through filmmaking that I could shed light and have a good perspective for people to, for people to take, you know, it's hard to, to articulate it, but I just want to kind of shed light on the world. You know, there's so much darkness in, in the world right now. And, and with, with art and, and creating things, you have an opportunity to, to show the light, you know, and inspire people and just make, make the world a better place, you know?
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I, when I hear you talk like that, like, I just, I just feel it too, because like, I, I know you and I know what you have been doing like in your spare time and like all the stuff, the hard work you've been putting in, uh, to not only being the filmmaker, but to being the hockey player too. And, and when you talk about your passion about making the films now after hockey and during hockey, I guess now, but, uh, it's the same sort of feeling that I know I have about doing this whole shifted thing and, and you know, I totally get it. Like, and it's great that you say like you want to be the best at it because I find that people are like, you, whether it's being politically correct or not, but you know, like if if you don't believe like, hey, I'm gonna be the best, then it's really hard to to break out because you know, I think it just goes back to that mindset of being an athlete. Like, if you're gonna do it you got to go like a hundred percent. You can't go like 95 because it just, it just doesn't work. Like it just won't happen for you. And a lot of people are scared to put that much effort in because, you know, what people will see in a game is the culmination of like hours and hours and hours of hard, relentless work that we've put in when, you know, a lot of people aren't watching and, you know, on a day to day basis when, you know, you mentioned how you take stuff home with you from the rink. Like that's, that's a real thing. Like when you go home from a hockey game and you have a day off and you're thinking like, man, I should have made that pass to that guy who was open instead of, you know, sending it for icing, you know, like whatever it is, like those are real feelings that we have because it affects us on a, on a day-to-day basis. Right. And getting away from the game uh, is obviously a way to combat that. But, It's the same sort of stuff that we're feeling now towards what we want to do after hockey. And we also got to be looking out for ourselves too because we have to, right? We have to make it in another field. And I think what drives me on the daily is that I'm 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 uncomfortable in this whole business arena, but I'm hungry. So I know that I'm going to be smart about it and I'm going to put the same level of work and dedication into it. Yeah. As you did with hockey.
1: Yeah, you know, you're right. To you know, to be to be a professional athlete, you know, a professional hockey player, to be successful in anything, it takes crazy amounts of work to the point, you know, if you want to be the best, you have to be obsessive about what you're doing. And that's uncomfortable, but it's a lot less uncomfortable if you're passionate about what you're doing. You know, the work becomes easy then. Mm-hmm. So like going forward now, you know, I, I know how much work it takes to, to get where you want to go. You know, I've learned that through the years of grinding in the in the American hockey league. You've
0: done it. You've done it. You've showed the world through your actions that you've actually done it. Like you, nobody can take that away from you. People are going to mm-hmm. look you up and they're going to be like, Oh, this guy played, you know, so far 11 seasons of professional hockey. Like this guy did it.
1: Yeah. You know, like no fair. nobody you know, can take it, that
0: away from you. It's an
1: exciting time, you know, to, to, to put the work in again but for something else and just see if you can do it again and uh just keep going forward you know see what happens it's not in our hands you know you put in the work and and see what happens
0: right and but if you if you're putting in that level of work like you can you can sort of control it by giving yourself the best opportunity for success right like you're Mm -hmm. You're, what you're doing right now and, and learning and researching. And, you know, I'm, I'm certain that you're researching a lot of stuff on the daily. And, you know, just the simple fact that you mentioned Casey, someone like Casey Neistat means that you obviously have been watching his vlog for quite a bit of time. And I'm not familiar with Casey, but I, I'm a Gary Vaynerchuk guy, but mm-hmm. uh, I know of Casey and I know he's one of the pioneers in that field. And, there's no telling what you can do because if you are willing to put in that effort to do something that, you know, not a lot of people in the history of hockey have been able to achieve and that's play for 11 professional seasons, you know, that's the, what you can achieve after hockey, you know, it's just going to be all dependent on how bad you want it really. And it's kind of cliche to say it like that, but it's just true when you really break it down. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. I love, you know, I love, I know Gary uh, Vaynerchuk, you know, well, I see his videos and his, his feed come, uh, come across my Facebook feed, his videos. And, and he's an interesting guy. He's pretty hardcore. He's an extreme hustler. And, mm. um, yeah, Casey Neistat, he, he, he's similar. You know, he knows what it takes. You know, he, he knows how much work you have to put in to, to be successful. And, um, you know, his vlogs, to me, they, they are what they are. They're, they're fun. You know, they're kind of, you know, a mindless thing that, you know, I'll watch when I'm eating, you know, lunch or whatever. But, you know, if you, you do some research on him and you just hear about his story and, you know, the amount of time and, you know, the dream that he had and he just like worked relentlessly to get where he is. And it's, it's inspirational, you know, you kind of compare yourself in in a good way. Say that could be me. If I put in the time and, you know, I do what I need to do, like I can be successful too. I can get to to where I want to go and and accomplish my dreams. You know, it's funny talking about this stuff now, like, you know, we're both in our thirties and and we're talking like we're kids, you know, we we have these big dreams, but I, I think that's awesome. It's exciting. I think maybe, you know, people who think that's lame are, are, you know, they're they're boring. You know, they're adults. <laughs> they're just, you know, you know, content. I think it's it's awesome to dream big and to stay young and and just you know be be kid like. I guess be like absolutely,
0: absolutely, like for sure. There's so much there's so much of life to experience, right? And it, it's it's really exciting to go at this and now be like, okay, I'm the new guy of the block, and okay, how am I gonna go and do this and how you know, you, and we're just competitive by nature, right? Like mm-hmm. if you go and play like street hockey with your buddies, like, yeah, it's going to be fun. But at some point you're going to be like, I want to win, you know, like, Hey, <laughs> I'm not letting this guy win. And I noticed that about me. I'm very, very competitive um, in anything that I, that I do. Like I'll, I'll kind of like play it off. Like, yeah, like, Oh, this is fun. This is fun. But like when it really comes down to it, like I, I want to win.
1: Yes, yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> It's it's kind of surprising, you know, fans listening, they, they might be shocked by this. But for me, I love – my favorite part about hockey is summer hockey. I love getting together with, like, the pro guys who are home. We're all training, trying to get in shape, and just playing, like, 4-4, four 5-on-5, four, five five, full ice. There's no reps. You know, it's just flow up and down the ice, amazing passes, nice goals. You know, everyone's just having a good time until you – get to the end of the game and it's like hey we have to figure out a winner let's go win and then everyone turns it on like it's so much fun you know it just takes the whole business side of hockey away and you can just enjoy the game that you grew up playing you know for for that afternoon it's, it's the, the best feeling I, you know i have and something i really enjoy doing in the summertime
0: yeah it just takes us back to like being seven years old and playing in the street with your buddies and scoring overtime winners you know like that's that's a game that my brother and i played uh, probably every single day that we were allowed to go outside, we played some form of overtime winners where he was a net or I would be a net. And we would just remake our favorite, you know, gay winning goals from the NHL, whether it was the night before or from like Rock'em Sock'em, Dan- Don Cherry's Rock'em Sock'em. That's, that's literally what we would do every single day.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. Those, those are what it's all about. I spent a a summer in uh, in Los Angeles in 2014, and um, I don't know if you, well you've obviously seen the movie Mighty Ducks D two, yeah, right where they played roller hockey with the garbage cans, um, yeah, 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 over yeah. like that actually goes down in Santa Monica. I don't know if you're aware, but um, that's amazing. You know, these guys do it. I got to go and check every this day. out. And uh, I was there with them for the full month that I was there, and um, yeah, I, I'm just itching to go back. It was. You know, one of the best experiences I've had playing hockey. I met actually a guy, um, a goalie from Switzerland. Uh, he's an ex-pro, but he holds uh, – he trains professional goalies in, in Southern uh, California. I met him playing out there, and ended up I ended up shooting at his uh, his goalie camps all summer. So the hockey community is uh, – Oh, nice. It. And, yeah, it was a great experience. And I encourage anyone who's listening, if you go to Los Angeles, uh, specifically Santa Monica, bring your rollerblades, bring your hockey stick – and uh, go out and have fun with those guys.
0: That would be amazing. We should go and shoot a video out there. That'd be awesome. I'm
1: down. 100%. <laughs> I am down.
0: See, this is, it's crazy. It, it is literally crazy to me to think that that sentence just came out of my mouth. Because, like, what are we thinking, right? Like, if this was 10 years ago, we wouldn't have even considered that as an option. You know, like, that's, it's just how times are going. And, and where 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 we're headed with like technology and Mm -hmm. you know like where where culture is going and where you know people's attention is going it's all about people's attention right and people want to see cool things and you know everyone wants to see cool things really but you know that would be something that'd be pretty unique and pretty cool and uh, we should probably vlog about that
1: yeah yeah man I am (laughs) down that sounds like an amazing time and uh yeah like I said I've been itching to get back there and play, like, there's nothing better. The California sunshine, the ocean's right there. You could take a dip after the game. It's honestly nothing better. You
0: know, I heard, I heard uh, this about the LA Kings when they were playing in the Stanley Cup Finals. And uh, I can't remember who told me, but it's just amazing if it's true. But they, somebody was telling me that they would go and play beach volleyball. They had a ritual that they would go and play beach volleyball uh, on, like, every day at lunch and they would do it even on game days. And I think that's just (laughs) amazing. Like in the afternoon guys, like they're getting ready to play the Stanley cup finals and going to play like beach volleyball in the afternoon. Like that is incredible. And, And people might think like when you first think of it, you just hear that and you're just like, wow, like what are they, what are they doing? How are they supposed to perform? A, well, A, they won the Stanley cup that year. So, I mean, it worked. Yeah. And B, like if you take out, if you take into account, like, how someone is feeling going into a game on like an emotional level, like if those guys are just purely joyous uh, like they're so happy that they're playing beach volleyball mm-hmm. like and then they go to the the hockey arena and they're ready to you know play uh, that makes a difference that has an impact, and I guarantee you if that's true then that was you know smart on their part to get themselves feeling happy before the game yeah you know
1: i i don't doubt that story at all, I know that they um They live in Manhattan Beach, most most of the guys, probably not all of them. Um, That's just a little bit south from from Santa Monica, where I mentioned. Um, That year that I was there was the year that the Kings won. So they had not only their parade in downtown Los Angeles, they had a separate parade for the guys in Manhattan Beach. So my wife and I were there, and we watched them. uh, I think they were on pickup trucks or, like, Humvees or something, all the guys. And uh, I remember Jeff Carter, he had the Stanley Cup. And, yeah, wearing shorts with their jerseys on, it's kind of cool. (laughs)
0: that'd be that'd be awesome I mean having a Stanley Cup parade was literally one of the biggest driving factors of my aspirations to be a hockey player right like you you dream of that day with the cup and what you would do and yeah that would I mean who knows maybe in the future like if you stay in the game uh getting that kind of stuff it would be really really fun maybe you take the longer way around to you know maybe get a coaching or something like that or management have you thought about staying in the game after you're done hockey?
1: Yeah. I've You know, I've had uh, ideas um, just back to the filmmaking thing, like uh, maybe pitching to the OHL, like a, a docu-series, kind of like 24-7, uh, the HBO series that they used to do, but kind of like Road to the Winter Classic, but uh, mm-hmm. kind of like a weekly thing documenting each, uh, each team in the OHL one week at a time. You know, we're doing like uh, – you know, vlogging for a for a professional team or something like that, you know, giving fans kind of a behind-the-scenes look. I know, like, as a fan of hockey, first and foremost, like, I, I love seeing behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, I love seeing guys in the locker room joking around and, you know, seeing how they take their sticks and what kind of gear they use. And, um, you know, I think with YouTube and, and different platforms, uh, social media, you know, there's there's definitely an opportunity to show the fans even more, you know. For sure. I
0: actually have been thinking about like all kinds of stuff in the same, same genre. And I think we'll we'll chat a little bit off, uh, off air about something. Uh, but, uh, that's, that's so awesome that you've been thinking like that. And, and the, it just goes to show how, you know, things are just changing and right. Like we wouldn't have had this access back when we were kids, but now that we do, and you know, we have the perspectives that we do, you know, I think, I think we have an advantage over some other guys who might not be thinking of this because the the world is going towards this, right? Like it's the internet and social media, it's a thing. And like, we can't, you know, we can't resist it. We just got to kind of accept it and move forward with it and, and use it to our advantage. Right. And, and by doing things like you want to do, it, it's really like using it to our advantage and it's doing things for good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like social media is here. You know, at times, even in in my personal life, I have to take a step back. And and like you said earlier, like it's attention, you know, our attention is being pulled in so many different directions these days with little, you know, videos that are 10 seconds long. uh, You know, when you're cruising Facebook or Instagram or, or Snapchat or whatever it is, you know, sometimes I'll have to take a break from social media, you know, so it is important to to kind of pick and choose what you're allowing into your brain. And, uh, you know, sometimes you can get polluted by by crappy content, you know, stuff that you Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be watching. It's just it's garbage, you know. But then there is an opportunity for amazing content. You know, you can type in how to take a slap shot into YouTube (laughs) and and learn from probably an ex-professional hockey player how to take a, a perfect slap shot, which is really cool. Like that wasn't around when we were growing up
0: no we just had to like i just had to shoot and you just had to shoot at whatever right like my first hockey stick was a wooden spoon yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know so um yeah so i guess we'll we'll have like one more question then we'll move into like the the last uh, little bit we will ask you a couple, uh, one-liners, but, uh, okay. you know, what's, what's been your favorite part about being a professional hockey player? And like, can you just, if there's anything else you'd like to add on top of that, go for it. And if you, you know, whatever you want to say, but what, what is like the best part about it all? And like, what will you remember the most?
1: My favorite part about being a professional hockey player, I'd have to say is, is the free time. Um, It's kind of funny, like, you know, I love to play hockey, but I also love that we only work as professionals three or four hours per day, you know, it it allows me to do things that I truly love to do. I love to read, you know, I love love to watch movies and, you know, that goes back to, you know, my love for filmmaking and, you know, we can, we can be whatever we want to be and we could pursue whatever we want to pursue beside our career, you know, we have time for it, you know, and I know a lot of guys, they, they squander their time as pros, you know, 10 years go by and and all they've done is play hockey and haven't learned anything you know so I love the freedom of of being a professional hockey player I love that we have the summers off the best months out of the year to just enjoy the sun and and travel and and all those types of things so yeah maybe a little bit of an unconventional
0: answer but man I love it I think that's a great answer actually I think that's uh, totally honest and a great perspective to have. It, it is true. Like we do have a lot of downtime and it's amazing that you said guys squander their time because really, you know, a lot of guys may squander their time and then they think like, Oh, when they're, when the time is, you know, their time to hang them up and then they're thinking like, Oh, now what? You know, when you really, you have so much free time to build something and, and you know, you don't have to go and do useless stuff you can do meaningful stuff in your free time and build towards something for after the game that way you can transition comfortably and and it's not such a hard process because it really even even though i've been building this thing for a while and even though you know that you you know you have something that you are eyeing towards after it's a really tough process to go through the transition period like it it is something that you can't really prepare for in terms like the emotional baggage that comes with it or the emotional stress that comes with it, but having something that you've been building towards or, you know, preparing, it makes it a little bit easier.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right.
0: So I guess we'll move into the last little part. I'll ask you uh, a few little uh, questions here. It's uh, kind of an interesting little thing, but, uh, Y'all just say a couple things there, or I'll just ask you a question and you just give me like a one-liner answer. Okay. So shots or chances? Chances. You know what? Almost everybody has said chances. That's, it's great. I I love it. Yeah.
1: You know what? I I should probably shoot the puck more, but (laughs) something in me, it's just like, okay, I know like I'm, this is, not going to be a goal so why why throw the puck away <laughs> I, I but if you're know. in in front mean... of
0: the net you, you know when you go to like the the front of the net usually you're going to get a good chance yeah 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 scoring a goal or defending a play
1: scoring a goal no question <laughs> <laughs>
0: You'd be surprised how many people say defending a play. Yeah. Well, defensemen, I mean, that's that's your thing. No, I've had some forwards too. Because yeah. but I, I'm a defenseman, and my answer is scoring a goal. But I've had a few forwards that have said defending a play. So, like, it's really it's, – it's so interesting to hear a hear guy's perspectives. You know,
1: it. honestly, it, it, I think it really depends the time of the game too. I mean, if you're up by a goal, it's 2-1, and, you know, it, it's six against five, and you're hemmed in your end, and the puck goes to the point. And he winds up for a huge slap shot and you get down on one knee and you block it and it goes out of the zone. The fans <laughs> are crazy and, and all the guys in the bench are giving you a pat on the back. Like, yeah, that's pretty cool. But that's, that, know, that's, really goal I'm so
0: about. glad you said that because that's exactly what shifted does for, for like his business model is to offer context to the, the game basically for these youth hockey players. And just exactly you saying that points out something that is relative contextually. That's awesome. Mm-hmm um a hit or a stick check
1: oh big hit yeah big hit for sure The big hit not not a rub out you know big solid like old-fashioned hockey hit
0: yeah yeah those are i miss those too the (laughs) nhl has gotten or hockey has gotten so like oh yeah uh away from that kind of stuff and i miss that the passion like the the real like like real passion for the game, I think is a little bit lacking in the NHL game right now. So I, I hope that kind of comes back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Me too.
0: Fighting in hockey. Yes or no?
1: Yes, there is, there is a time. I mean, I have to, I have to elaborate on this. I know these are supposed to be one line. No, up,
0: no, it's okay. It's okay. We got, there, time.
1: there is a, there is a time in a place, I think um, for fighting in hockey. And, you know, as a player who's played in North America, where fighting is allowed. And then in Europe where, You know, it's not allowed in in some leagues, and it it is in others, kind of. Um, When I was in Denmark, in Italy, like, there's no fighting. If you got in a fight, you were thrown out, maybe suspended. The DEL is a little bit different. If you get in a fight, uh, it's 2 plus 2 plus 10. So you're sitting for 14 minutes, so it's basically like it's not allowed. There's no fighting.
2: Um,
1: So with that, uh, I, I think, you know, players tend to take advantage of that. When they know they're they're not going to be held accountable for their actions, and I think hockey is a game where you have to be held accountable for your actions, you know. So I think yeah. hockey hockey should have fighting, but not not the staged fights. You know, I think that's kind of yeah. Those are, those
0: can be gone. I don't mind those being yeah. gone. Yeah, those those can
1: those can I, I think those are on their way out anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of okay the way the way it is now, I guess.
0: Yeah, but you know, it makes us it makes us feel safer. Actually, you know, like if if you ask any player that's ever played, if knowing that someone has their back is like a comforting feeling, right? Like it's just For something sure. that we we feel is like it helps us police our own game. I
1: mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, there there is a time and a place, but you know, another thing about that is you know you see a lot now in the, in the newer game is like a, you know a big hit. And automatically, there's a fight. And, you know, I got to be completely honest. My role in the AHL, like, wasn't scoring a lot of goals. My linemate got crushed. I was the first guy over there, you know, to mm-hmm. to try to prove to, the you know, the coach and my teammates that, like, you know, I'm a warrior. You know, I'm here to battle. <laughs> you know, that, that was how I was going to make true. it. So, you know, I, you know, I was that guy. But, yeah, you know, uh, as a player on the outside looking into that now, I think that's kind of... Yeah, not too good either. We can do without that. Yeah,
0: that's that's true. I think those are kind of uh, going away as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know what, one more thing. that If the player gets hammered from behind, that's another story. But a clean open ice hit, you know, we don't need to be fighting after
0: every hit. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Best arena you've played in? Or favorite, like, atmosphere? When I say arena, I'm talking about, like, Best atmosphere at an arena that you've played it.
1: I would have to say, and uh, this wasn't a real game; it was a preseason NHL game, and it was in
0: Chicago. That's a real game, buddy. Hey, listen to me. <laughs> it's a hey. Did you lace up <laughs> the skates? It is a real game.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It, it, was a, it was a real game, I guess, and it was the best experience that I've ever had as a hockey player. It was. Yeah, Chicago. Um, For anyone who's ever seen a game there during the national anthem, the entire crowd sings at the top of their lungs. Oh, yeah. Uh, You can't hear yourself think. You know, you're wearing that jersey and you're on the bench and there's the big bright lights. And yeah, it's showtime. And that was probably the coolest moment that I've had in my career. There have been a few other really, really awesome moments, but that's one thing that was just like, wow, this is cool. These guys do this (laughs) every night, you know, Patrick Kane and Caves, like I wonder, you know, I just wonder if they are numb to that, or if
0: every night it's as exciting as it was for me. I don't know. I don't think that you can get numb to that, to be honest with you. I think it's just awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Was that with Detroit? Yeah, that was with Detroit. Uh, oh, that's a huge rivalry too. So I mean, it's probably even bigger.
1: Yeah, for sure. They warned me that it was going to be pretty cool before. <laughs>
0: I've only been to a game there uh when I was playing in Chicago for the Wolves. We. We went to watch a game there, and it was it was awesome. Like the atmosphere in the crowd was just amazing. I could barely hear my buddy next to me saying, "Like, can you hear that?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, really cool.
0: So, your next question here: favorite vlogger?
1: Favorite vlogger? Oh, it's gonna be Casey Neistat, hundred percent. He he's the OG, you know. He's the Jay
0: Z of the <laughs> vlog world. He 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 really is, and uh that's that's a good answer i hope that the people listening are are gonna take that and go watch some of his vids because they're pretty cool
1: yeah any anyone watching or listening for sure check out casey neistat and i encourage you if you already know who casey neistat is rewind uh to his earlier videos um yeah he has a handful of, of videos that are called casey classics and he, he makes short films they're like three four minutes long and they're super creative and, yeah, they're just awesome. They're not vlogs, but super creative and, uh, yeah,
0: really interesting stuff. Awesome. I- I'm going to have to check those out. Stocks or cryptocurrency? Stocks.
1: But ETFs, not individual stocks. Hmm. Must be
0: okay. Paid. Okay, yeah, that's good. Clarification. Clarification. I like that. Fast food or sit-down meal?
1: Sit-down meal. For sure. Hmm. Good conversation, man. nothing better
0: it's all about connections right yep favorite destination traveled to
1: i love a lot of places this is going to be multi-tiered you know i think the most eye-opening experience i've ever had was in india it's a really stimulating place to be it's a different uh different part of the world that's for sure and uh (laughs) It'll definitely humble you, make you a better person, and um, really cool, warm place. I love India. I I encourage anyone to travel there. I love Amsterdam. It's one of my favorite cities, Berlin. I love New York City. I love Los Angeles. And uh, I live in Toronto in the off-season, and right now it's, like, my favorite city of all time.
0: Toronto. Yeah, love Toronto. Yeah, me too. I'm from Toronto, and I just love it. It's just just, when you're from that city, like, the people know – like that the community within that city is very loyal and very passionate about the city i know i don't know if you feel that too yeah
1: i feel at home when i'm there you know being being abroad living abroad and traveling different places you know you always feel like a visitor you feel like a tourist but in toronto i I just feel at home you know you know how you know the ecosystem of the city you know how people work yeah the mannerisms you know it's, it's just home you know it's canada
0: yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a very mixed bag, right? In, in Toronto, like, there's so much culture going on that I think that just this city by nature is very welcoming to, to people. And once we have you in our city, like, you're part of the family. And I think that family aspect of the city is so, so strong, and it's very, very passionate and loyal.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Favorite social media? Instagram. Uh, yeah, Instagram is is good. You know, I, I have been
1: enjoying Facebook quite a bit lately. I've kind of curated my my feed exactly how I want it. Following like the brands that I want to, and, and le- actually learning something when I log on to Facebook. You know, kind of unfollow toxic people or toxic things, and just you know, making it in you know, making it uh, a way that's going to benefit you as a human being.
0: It's important. Yeah. I like that. and fa- I mean, Facebook just changed their algorithm. So it's going to be showing up more of the, like the content that kind of like is going to, it's basically going to cater to that mindset right there. I don't know if you are familiar with that algorithm change there, but they're going to be putting even more stuff in your feed. That's just, that's more like a, it's I, the way I think of it is more like family and friends sort of atmosphere when you go on Facebook. Yeah.
1: With that comes more political posts though. So
0: we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. I Hey, I mean, as long as you're getting, you know, your, your, your aunt's uh, home-cooked meals, I mean, that's fine, too. <laughs> that's <just laughs> Do you use uh, Musical.ly, actually? Sorry? Have you ever used Musical.ly? Musical.ly, no. Have you ever heard of it? No, I haven't. You need to check it out immediately. Musical.ly. What is it? Is it like Spotify? Nope. It's like a... It's kind of like fine, actually, but 15 seconds okay but right. the, like the kid like it's for a younger demographic but it's uh it's super super interesting and super cool and they they just go on there and they just sing and you could you push the button and it records and you can record with like music playing in the background and basically get people just uh they lip sync but you could be very creative on there like a lot of people are on there they're creating a lot of humor on there okay. the comedy the comedy accounts are really really good on there like they're really really funny And they're basically like Vine was, but just a little bit longer. I'm pretty excited Vine 2 is coming out. I always, uh, I was a big fan of the original Vine and, you know, do it for the Vine kind of thing. Like (laughs) that's one of my favorite slogans to use. Yeah, I'd
1: always see the Vine compilations
0: of the week come across and they're pretty funny. Yeah, Yeah, people are awesome. So your favorite social media is Facebook. That's cool. Where uh, Where can people find you and your team and they kind of, follow you guys around and cheer you guys on for the rest of the year? Well, you
1: can uh, you can find the team on, on Facebook, Fishtown Penguins. You know, you just search them at Google. Type that in Google. Um, but I must uh, warn you guys, everything is going to be in German. So, uh, you know, you'll have to bear with that. You know, maybe you <laughs> Google Translate. Um,
0: yeah, there's translate buttons. It's yeah, okay.
1: myself personally, uh, I'm on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, my Instagram name is Joe Adelic. And yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not too active. I post um, mainly just when I'm traveling. So yeah, you'll be able to keep up with, uh, with my travels, my YouTube channel, as well as is, is Joe Delic. And then I post uh, a little bit of everything, you know, whatever, uh, you know, I'm inspired by at the time, whether it's a travel vlog or it's a short film or something about veganism, you know, that's the top <laughs> all, all the creative stuff. It's kind of just where I dump it. So,
0: Awesome. Are you still uh, on the veganism? Yeah, I am uh, coming up on two years now. Awesome. Yeah. How's that been going for you?
1: It's amazing, man. It's uh, it's the best decision I ever made in my life, and I, I couldn't be happier. I feel great. Uh, I, you know, the, the health for me is just a bonus, but uh, my wife and I became vegan for the animals, and uh, uh-huh. that's something that you'll learn if you watch my video, Vegan for the Voiceless. You'll learn about my journey and how I got there. And, uh, you know, I encourage everyone to uh, to not turn a blind eye to what's going on with, with the animals and animal agriculture. You know, it's really important. And, uh, you know, they don't have a voice, and we have to be their voice. So, yeah, check it out.
0: Yeah, I watched that video that you did, and it was great, and it was super awesome. And And I know that you guys are doing it, you know, for good reasons, and, and I'm sure that you guys are doing a good job with it. But uh, the video you guys made here really is kind of eye-opening, and it kind of leads you to discover more and more information and so like if if people want to reach out to you about that they can hit you up on instagram and ask some questions right yeah absolutely absolutely (laughs) awesome well oh listen it's been amazing having you on the show i think your insights are just they're awesome and they i think that the people that are listening are going to get so much value out of this conversation i know i have like i've learned a ton in the last uh you know, 86 minutes here and it's kind of funny, you know, we're both 86 births. So
1: it's great. Yep. Perfect. Thanks
0: for having me. So, uh, yeah, no, thank you for being on the show and we'll, uh, we'd love to have you on again and maybe we could do some, uh, some, some live episodes later on in the, in the summertime or something, uh, back in Toronto.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm in, I'd love to collaborate. And, uh, yeah, for you guys uh, who are listening, make sure you write Mike and Tom how much you want to see, a video of the Santa Monica beach hockey, and we will bring that to you. <laughs>
0: yes, I would love that. <laughs> All right, oh, thanks again for being on the show, buddy. All right, man, thanks for having me. Have a good day. Good luck in the rest of the season. Thanks, you as well. Thanks, Joe. Thanks so much, Jordan, for being on our podcast today. It really was just an awesome episode. It was filled with a lot of honest, conversations and about a lot of topics that are just a little bit difficult and uncomfortable to talk about for some guys but what we all know to be true is that eventually there comes a time when we can't play hockey anymore we got to think about what we want to do and for a guy like Jordan who has understood this for some time now and has been putting in some effort into researching and getting to know what he loves to do, he can start to make a plan for what he has in mind to do after hockey. And I think this is super, super important because it's just, honestly, it just is a really big part of the athlete's mindset because, you know, what we go into athletics with is bright eyes and the hopes and expectations that we put upon ourselves to achieve as high a league as we possibly can, and we just do the best we can with that opportunity that we're given. Now, I think we need to approach what we do after hockey with the same sort of mindset because it's going to allow us to reach some sort of level of success, and especially since we're going into, for the most part, something new. And something that we haven't been doing for the past 20 or 25 years of our lives. Like we have been doing hockey. So that mindset towards what we got to do after hockey is super, super important. So I'm really glad that Jordan shed some light on that today. Because it's really, really important. If you liked our podcast today and you thought the message was great, which I did from Jordan. Please share it and let us know what you thought. Having your voice to share this episode with your friends and with people that will get some value from it helps us to reach a broader audience and helps us to share this message with people that really need to hear it or really want to hear it so we really appreciate you guys for lending us your ears to listen to this podcast and we hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did creating it have a good day guys